0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the program. Sandy and Sean here on Mile High Sports with Danny Bailey in the booth. Great show for you today at the top of the hour. CU men's basketball coach uh, Tad Boyle will join us. Very excited to talk to coach about uh, Buffalo's basketball, but we'll Start with the Denver Broncos after their loss to the Houston Texans, Sandy. A, uh, a critical loss in the most consequential game the Broncos have had in seven seasons. And a game in which, despite the fact that in many, many ways, they did not play well. over uh, for 11 on third downs, a minus three in turnover ratio. They still had an opportunity to win the game in the final seconds of the game. That in some regards, I suppose, could be a bit of a silver lining because it's been a while since the Broncos could even find themselves in these sort of games and they earned it. But again, one of the concerns with Sean Payton may come up because I'll read you a couple quotes. We played one yesterday for you as well and talked about this on the Zoom call and talked about the passing game specifically said that uh, we finished the game yesterday on the last play of the game. We leave a shift off, so the snappy of the ball. You have three receivers trying to run a route, but they haven't shifted into their final formation. Okay, uh, that's fair, and I think he's breaking down that last play, and certainly the Broncos did look discombobulated. Of course, they also took a lot of time off the clock prior to the down downplay, which I argued wouldn't have worked on a whiteboard, so I'm not really sure what the plan was there. But then later in the call, talking about, uh, Lucas Kroll at the backup tight end being the target on the last play from Wilson, which I agree with you, Sandy yesterday, you said out of all the interceptions, that was the most forgivable given the circumstances of oh, yeah. the clock.
1: Yeah. I mean, you sure. And, and, and the pass rush pressure was, uh, uh, intense. definitely applied <laughs> by Jonathan Greenard, uh, who, as we suggested yesterday, outplayed left tackle, Garrett Bowles badly, much as will Anderson on the other side, uh, rushing off the edge, uh, made mincemeat of Mike McGlinchey during the course of the game at right tackle.
0: Was but here's that... what Peyton said about that. Keep in mind on this Zoom call, he answered a total of nine questions and, and three of them were notably about sort of miscommunications like that. Here's the one about Crowell in particular on that final lots to play. Quote, let's go reverse order. If you were listening to what I said earlier, I don't know what the last play is. I wish I could give it a name. Let's call it chaos. Yeah, there was no <laughs> shift. So certainly from your vantage point, it looks like, man, they're calling on on Lucas to be the hero here. I can promise you that he was in the progression of three receivers, but the shift doesn't happen, and then we're playing street ball. Right. What does Lucas provide? He gives us a really good receiving threat and speed down the field. If you will, I don't blame you for looking at the play and wondering where are people at and where the ball is going. I was doing the same thing. The next question was about a fourth down play, in which Jerry Judy appeared to be open. He said, quote, I think it's a fair question. Jerry went through a stretch. I don't want to call it a dry spell, but certainly frustration, even when we won. He wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to get his hands on the ball. That was a play, though, where they dropped coverage. He was easily a viable target on the big play. Finally, he was able to make a few in that game. Really, if you look at the tape closely and look at all of it, I know some of you do that. If you watch all of it, holy cow, there are two or three of those plays. Is that beep, beep, beep sound, the Sean Payton bus running over Russell Wilson again,
1: like he did earlier? Well, I I think it's fair to interpret it that way. It's also fair to interpret uh, the attitude that. Sean Payton seems to have regarding Russell Wilson. Uh, he treats him as if he were a rookie or maybe a second-year quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, geared down uh, uh, on, on the game plan, simplify things. Um, obviously, in goal-to-go situations, not enough. Because the Broncos are a coin flip team in goal-to-go situations yep. this year, which is ridiculous since the league average in goal-to-go Situations on conversions for touchdowns is over 71%. And the Broncos are coin flip. They're they're a little over 50%, but essentially a coin flip. So (laughs) I had the strange sensation having a sense of that without those numbers that uh, Nick Kosmider provided today in his piece in The Athletic. I had a sense, you know, it looks good, but it looked good for Dallas earlier this year at the end of the game in Philadelphia when they had first and goal and a chance to win the game with a touchdown. And it didn't work out for Dallas, and Dallas is a hell of a lot better goal-to-go team than Denver's been all year. Again, not knowing at that point what the exact numbers were, but I said, I'm not sure I'd feel that confident at this point on first and goal at the eight after Wilson had scrambled for five yards to pick up the first down and give the Broncos that first and goal. Uh, First of all, by that time, they had called at least two and maybe all three of their timeouts. I have to go back and check the play-by-play on that. But they essentially had their options reduced to simply throwing for the end zone. I guess you could have thrown an out that put the ball out of bounds and stopped the clock, but you couldn't run because the game would end. You, right. you were out of time. Including
0: outs. as our, our friend Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado Mentioned when he came on with us yesterday. Any of those you can catch a Miley Sports at the Miley Sports app. It reduced the opportunity for Wilson to scramble and run. Well, of, which of course, he had been successful it, it, unless he had,
1: it. he had he, he had, had to Scoring down. and that, that that's that's hard to do from the eight yard line.
0: Right, and I uh, think when, when
1: everything's congested. And I think
0: Wilson knew that and basically took a scramble off the table unless something right. really broke down. Right, right.
1: And he and you know he knew he couldn't take a sack. He was obviously aware of that because a sack ends the game too. Right. So (laughs) you can't take a sack. You got a guy in Grinard who's coming in off the edge. Now you you can see him. He's coming off. If you could shake him, you can't run. You're 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 facing right. He's coming right your face. Right. But still, he's right there. So what are you going to do? You can't take the sack. So you have to run backwards to get away from him, and you end up going to your left and trying to throw back to your right. It's just that it it was. when they say uh, in the official play-by-play uh, accounts, aborted play, yeah, uh, this might as well have been, when uh, you... that, that particular play at the end. But that signifies to me what has been true all year and just underlines it again. The Broncos are a lousy red zone offense, and particularly in goal-to-go situations, uh, they're Basically, isn't any team in the league worse than Denver?
0: You called it a coin toss. uh, The numbers that that Nick Kosmider had there 52.4% on goal to go situations. That's the worst tied for the worst with the Atlanta Falcons. But it's also on pace to be the worst number any Broncos team has produced since at least 2000. Because that's kind of when they started paying attention to the media. The league average is 71.3%. Seven teams have a mark over 80, the three something? or 90 are over. And look, I, I understand the and Broncos are goal at this point. It is a goal-to-go
1: situation. Goal this is a red go. zone.
0: It's goal-to-go. And and look, I get it. I don't expect to be at 90, but if the league average is at 71, if you're at 52, you're terrible. And, and the insinuation here, and this is one of the concerns that I still have about this team going forward, is Russell Wilson, folks, is in his 12th NFL season. Okay? Make of his career what you will. I don't really care. But if you're telling me that at the time he got to Denver, he looked like he was a, if not a lock Hall of Famer, certainly a borderline Hall of Famer with a couple more years he'd get in. If you're telling me that he simply doesn't know how to call a play that's told to him in the huddle, I would say I don't really well, buy I, it.
1: I, I don't know that Peyton is quite going that far. He, he's shading his language a bit. Uh, he's not saying that the play was not called right in the huddle. He said guys didn't shift. Now, it could be interpreted as he's blaming the wide receivers who didn't shift. Now on the Judy stuff, but he I mean, talked about specifically. I think communication has to yes, be on did. point. He did, he did, uh, but but that isn't just the quarterback. Okay, uh, and you know he's part of that communication chain too. And uh, the most revealing thing he said, I, I thought, it, giving the questioner more than the benefit of the doubt, he said, "I don't blame you." for looking at that play and kind of wondering where people are. I know you read yeah. the quote, but I want to emphasize mm-hmm. it. I don't blame you for looking at the play and kind of wondering where people are and where the ball is going. I was doing the same thing. That's not great. Uh, now, I mean, that's
0: indicating that they didn't run what Sean Payton wanted them to that, run.
1: That, that's right, and they didn't shift. And that was a fundamental problem with the play that, yeah, Crow was in the progression, but because nobody shifted and he was throwing his hands up into the air as if he didn't know what was going on either. Now, going into the game, I think Lucas Crow had played 20 offensive snaps in 2023 with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, And the very fact that he's your best tight end receiving option at that point in the game, and he is, right? Payton said he was part of the progression. So, my rejoinder to that would be, why does a guy who's played 20 offensive snaps before this game on the biggest play of the game and arguably the biggest play of your season, why is he in the progression
0: at all? Russell Wilson didn't put him on the field.
1: So, to me, this is an all-encompassing problem, and I'm not here to deflect or assign additional blame to Wilson. Uh, I I just think it's a systemic failure that will end up as part of the epitaph for this Broncos season when it comes to not making the playoffs. And, you know, I'm 90% sure of being right on that one. Because that's about what their playoff chances they, they are, realistically. And by the way, last down. night's result—I know it didn't change the standings, but it kept Cincinnati alive, and that is not a good oh, result. Oh yeah, made it harder Broncos. for the Broncos. Absolutely, it is not a good result uh, on a number of fronts. It's not a good result on its face because you you much rather see Jacksonville win and run away with the AFC South. And bury everybody else. You're rooting for right. everybody else you except for Tennessee. You weren't yeah, catching. Yeah, there's two other teams. Any Houston of the and, division leaders, right? Houston and Indy. Uh, you, you're not uh, rooting for them to do anything but lose. Same thing with Cincinnati. And unlike Buffalo, Cincinnati six and six. And the only reason the Broncos are ahead of them because Cincinnati last night. Was one and six in the conference going into the game, so now they're two and six, and Denver's three and five. It's about the only conference record tiebreaker that Denver wins because Denver stinks in the AFC this year. Three and five. uh, All the teams ahead of them have won more than they've lost in the AFC. And, uh, you know, the Buffalo tiebreaker is different because the Broncos have that on head to head. But The Chargers have a better record in the conference than the Broncos do. The Raiders have just as good a record as the Broncos do inside the conference. Even the Jets, Tennessee, and New England have won two games in the AFC. The Broncos have won three in the AFC. That's what's dragging Denver down. Denver is uh, 3-1 and against the NFC at this point. And they have a uh, game against Detroit left on the schedule and that's of course one
0: of the best teams so,
1: that's it NFC. that's one of the best teams in the nfc but if you're going to lose a game you're looking at the schedule and say well four that's out of one. five gets you to ten wins that's the that's one. the one you can lose it's the only one because that doesn't put an additional yeah. conference it's loss the only on one. your record and that's a major mm-hmm. tiebreaker
0: your margin for error is small uh if the broncos beat the chargers the, their odds on making the playoffs still end up being about one in three and that's if that's with a win. That's uh, with a win. The, the
1: missed opportunity was this, it's about one in twenty with a loss, or one in thirty. Uh, yeah, basically it becomes it's almost impossible.
0: Because remember, the Chargers would then hop over the Broncos as well, and maybe even the Raiders might too. And, and the Broncos you know, could find themselves in last place in the end for a loss.
1: And I, I say all these teams. Uh, I'm I'm discounting the division leaders once again this sure. week. Okay, so they're not Andy, catching Baltimore, any of them. Kansas City, Jacksonville, the Broncos aren't going to finish first.
0: And they're not going to finish with so, the number of wins any of those teams are either. So you can basically count them Pittsburgh,
1: as Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indy, mm-hmm. Houston, now Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers, probably not the Raiders. And just about all of them have better conference records than Denver does. Just about all, with the exception of Cincinnati, all of them have better conference records or so records just as good. Well, at the same time,
0: it's. <laughs> And I get that. The odds are long, Sandy. I, I get that. The odds are long. And the Broncos made it worse. But at the same time, you're not dead. There's not there's not one of those E's next to your name in the newspaper. The Broncos could conceivably win four out of the next five games and maybe find themselves into the postseason. And until you're um, out, I get, AFC, it. I get it. I get <laughs> it. It's long. I get it. I understand all that. But I'm trying to look at it from the other side. If you're If you're in the room... In the locker room over at Dove Valley, you can't think that, well, we're screwed. I mean, you have to say, okay, what can we do to keep this going? And the answer well, is we can win
1: four out of our next Cushenberry five. Cushionberry had it right. And it, get it's, in. it's time to put up or shut up. The Broncos are doing a lot of putting up this year. And maybe Lloyd Cushionberry's tired of some of his teammates saying, oh, after every loss, our chances haven't diminished. Well, remember, oh, we're it. still we're resilient. We're and in Lloyd Cushenberry, LSU I'll give team? you the quote. I'll give you the whole okay. quote. Yeah, do that. All year long, we've said we're a tough group, resilient group. And you can tell he's tired of hearing it because he goes on to say, these next five games is put up or shut up. Yeah. And I think he's fed up. That's my opinion. Lloyd Cushenberry is fed up with all the nonsense that comes out of that locker room about how no loss, every win virtually clinches a playoff spot. Every win. And every loss, ah, shrug it off, no big deal. You, uh, I looked at the schedule for every remaining team in the NFL last night. You know, you say, well, they're only one game behind uh, Houston. Well, they don't have the tiebreaker, so that's effectively two games behind. Indy's got a 5-3 and three record in conference. Denver is 3-5. Uh, Indy's playing at Cincinnati. Somebody's got to win that game, mm-hmm. and there isn't a good scenario for Denver. Unless it's a tie, and even that isn't great. Okay, somebody's going to win that game. Uh, when Cincinnati plays at Pittsburgh, somebody's going to win that game. Keep in mind and either very, that either team that wins the hurts the. Broncos. Of course,
0: no, the odds are long. I I get it. And I'm
1: just—I
0: just picked out a couple of examples. In Cushingberry's case, remember too, you're talking about a guy that won the national title in 2019 right. as a and he's—and he's he won not that in
1: the mood. He here. won that
0: t- with Bullsport. Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Helaire behind him, and remember, by the way, on top of that, who the captain of that team was? You're thinking Joe Burrow? It wasn't Joe Burrow.
1: No, it was, it was Lloyd, Lloyd Cushingberry. So this is a guy that he he speaks like a leader. Now, is he the best offensive lineman the Broncos have? No, No. that would be Quinn Miners. But the other day, I'll tell you what, Miners got hurt. Now, I know he didn't miss many snaps, but he wasn't out there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought among those who played 100% of the game on the offensive line, which is basically the other four guys, he was the best player. The tackles weren't good. Miners missed some snaps, and Ben is Powers it fair to say ben he's the Powers. most
0: improved member of the offensive line this year? So. I think I so think too, so. and I think for the Broncos this is
1: the strong- and I think he's a leader of sorts too. And you know, I know Bowles, and good for him uh, is the nominee for the Peyton Award uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, but that's off field, and and Bowles has been a good football citizen here yes, in he Denver. Uh, in an off the field sense, Certainly. ever since he got here. So it, good good, for him. But I think the on field leader on the offensive line is Cushionberry. I really do. It isn't Powers, that's for sure. I don't think it's Bulls. Uh, Miners could be someday, but I don't know if he is right now. And McGlinchey just got here. So uh, to me, it's Cushionberry. And Cushionberry's the one who's seen. Offensive line play in the red zone is abysmal. Uh, the goal-to-go thing, the lack of pass protection, and nobody blitzes the Broncos because they don't have to. You don't to. have to. Nobody blitzes. The, the Broncos are about number one in most infrequently blitzed. teams and if you don't think, in the red zone or in goal to go situations, don't think that has an impact and, and they're getting pressured all the time. And that's not fault. And it fault. has a
0: massive impact on Wilson, any quarterback, any quarterback who is getting pressured in base defense, that's more guys out there to cover the pass. It's harder to complete a pass in a year in which it's harder to complete a pass than it has been in a while. But the communication between Peyton and Wilson is, uh, is this fixable? Is it broken? Are we making a mountain out of a molehill? We'll talk more it's about 12 it. Twelve games in—that's my concern. We'll and talk- you can't line up right. Well, whose fault is it? We'll not—we'll kind of break that down next on My Life Sports. Sandy Cuff and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. For the Denver Broncos, they have to get on the same page. And as Sean Payton talks about it, communication, the hint at least is, the offense, whether it could be right, could be the receivers were in the wrong spot. But he also spoke specifically yesterday about how Jerry Judy was open two or three times and indicated yes. that Russell Wilson missed him.
1: And so And there's nobody else to blame if he's talking that way except the quarterback. Right. Because he's not blaming Judy for being he's open? saying no. Judy is open. Right. My counter to that has always been, and I have no idea whether this was true the other day or not. Judy can always say he's open, and he has said that before in other years, but you have to be open according to the progression. At the right time. At the right time. That's one of the hidden little details in the NFL that people miss. If you're open before the progression gets to you, so what? If you're open after the progression has passed you by, it doesn't matter. You weren't open when you were supposed to be open. And all pass routes are based on timing, uh, three-step, five-step, seven-step. The pattern is linked up with the amount of steps the quarterback is taking. It's all timed out. And somebody can say, well, I'm open all the time, and it might be great. You know, it's the famous line. Receiver comes back to the huddle, says, to his quarterback, I'm open, I'm open. And the quarterback's response is, yeah, that's great. You're not open when you're supposed to be open.
0: Right. Remember, when you talk about progressions in football, and that's a good thing to bring up, Sandy, and I'm not i I'm not going to— And I'm not saying that right. went on right. the other and day. Right, And In any of these— Exactly. And, and you might weren't. Have been open in any of these plays, open, yeah, Judy may good. have been right on it, and, and Peyton kind of indicated, it, because he did also point out Judy's at a dry spell and hadn't yes, played very well. Yes. So I think he was calling out that Judy did do the right things at the same time yeah. in, in that statement right. That, that, right. that Peyton made.
1: Though he, in previous games, maybe hadn't. Right and, that, I think, that, and I think I think Peyton made that clear too. Run.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. Peyton made it clear that he wasn't doing well and, and but yesterday but in Sunday he did. But let's keep in mind too when you're talking about progressions we, we'll hear that right progression you know that the, the read 1 read 2 whatever right. and then you may go to the hot receiver or the checkdown guy. Right. But those are all in counts in your head, too, right? The quarterback's got that clock in his head. Absolutely, you're going to switch from the if read one is all happens not yeah, two point five seconds or less. For read one to get open, you yeah. glance, and if he's open, yeah. you throw it. If he's not, you go to two. If he's not open, you go to the checkdown, or if you're Russell Wilson,
1: you, run. you take off. You tuck it and run, and you might not even get to two.
0: And time. that part is a little more detailed, unless Sean Payton wants to actually show us the playbooks and we yeah. all have to get the terminology, but. Russell Wilson has absorbed this this year on a couple different occasions. And the fact that after you win five straight, you have one loss in a close game where your team didn't play well and you still had a chance of winning. And Peyton's first instinct, at least as it appears to me, is to immediately go, well, not my fault. Geez, I don't even know what those guys are doing out on the field. That's that leadership style concerns me because I don't think it's the way a D'Amico Ryans leads, a Mike McDaniel leads, an Andy Reid leads, a Kyle Shanahan leads, a Nick Sirianni leads. What we hear from Peyton with it, okay, what, yeah, I'm going to kind of make fun of my own team and throw them under the bus, whether it was Wilson or otherwise, And not my fault, they're not running what I called. That is a bit of something from the past. And if you're going to try to create a winning culture, maybe the my way or the highway approach worked for Sean Payton in the past. It evidently did. Now, it didn't hurt that he had a lock solid uh, guy that owned all the passing records that he retired, quarterback and Drew Brees.
1: But it doesn't work for Bill Belichick anymore. Because Tom Brady's not there. Bill Belichick's got right. Bill Belichick, since Tom Brady left, is 25 and 35. Right. And, of course, this year he's 2 and 10. And my
0: concern is for the Broncos. Look, if I'm Russell Wilson, here's at least what I'm thinking. And, this, this, again, this is in the 12th season. He has won a Super Bowl. Was he the main reason? No, but he's won one. How many guys have won a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback? It's not too many. And if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm thinking, great. So I've just gone five straight weeks with wins, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, uh playing a, the quarterback, but not in the counting stats, but playing the quarterback position about as well as you can play it. And the five percent that I get wrong erases the 95% that I've been doing well, right. And that makes it hard to play for a guy who, you know, the second anything goes, what happens? Guys play tight. Guys play well, tight. It happens in every sport. Were,
1: Justin mentioned it yesterday. He said they were tight. He said the Broncos are tight and it hadn't occurred to me in watching the game that wasn't my first reaction but after Justin said that yesterday I started to think about it i said you know Sutton dropped a couple early i thought he was tight um wilson threw three interceptions in 16 minutes after going almost 5 games and 3 quarters of a sixth without throwing a single one um i think the offensive line was tight and didn't generally, as a collective, play well. Um, yeah. Um, I have a couple of theories on this. I think when you're used to working for so many years as a head coach with a quarterback who speaks your language and there's kind of a mind meld right. sense and always was in New Orleans with respect to Breeze and Peyton. There were people who would watch him and they said, I have no understanding as to what they're talking about, but they understand each other. They seem to speak that language that nobody else can understand, but they understand it. All right. And he got used to that. He got spoiled by that. And now. Coaching an aging quarterback who is not what he was and coaching him in a way that accentuates the positive and camouflages the negative, that's a challenge. And I thought for the five games during the winning streak, both seemed to connect a little more successfully than they had over the first six games. And the game on Sunday looked like the, uh, mostly the worst of the first six. There was some good in the first six, too. But here's the other thought I have. And this is going to sound like more of a rip on Peyton than I intended to be. But I'm looking at Wilson's numbers here, okay? Uh, 67 and a half percent on completions. That's 10th in the league. Okay. And it's not just Peyton, but indirectly it might be Peyton because the announcers talk about it all the time. Whenever Wilson is in the top 10 in any passing category, say, wow, Sean Payton's really turned Russell Wilson around much more credit to Sean Payton, Right. than credit to Russell Wilson. Who's the guy in the field. Then it goes to yards passing for the year. 2385. That's nineteenth. Well, Peyton kind of takes credit for that too. He said, listen, look, you know, look at how efficient he's been compared to how inefficient he was under that bonehead coach he had last year. Right. All right. But that was, so, that was so basically that, what Peyton said. That too. almost works the total yardage passing works in Peyton's favor, too. Now, with respect to touchdown passes, 21 touchdown passes, the percentage of touchdown passes thrown by Wilson this year puts him third in the league. And Peyton raises his hand. Hey, look at me. He wasn't third in the league last year. He, he only threw 16 touchdown passes all year long. He's already got 21. Interceptions, seven. Now, that he threw three in the last 16 minutes at Houston. That's only 14th. Mm -hmm. And Peyton could say, well, that's on Russell Wilson. It's not on me. Uh, 6.9 yards per pass attempt, 19th. Well, you know, (laughs) he isn't throwing the deep ball the way he used to. Passer rating, 99.0. Oh. That's sixth in the league. That's me again. Peyton raising his hand. Yeah. Twentieth in QBR, fifty point three. Well, that's Russell Wilson not communicating. All kinds guys of guys aren't in the right opinions. position. Guys right. are out of position, and that's why. It, I mean, it's almost literally average because QBR is a one to one hundred measurement, and fifty is average, and he's at fifty point three. So he's average. Look what I'm doing, though, in some of these statistical areas with an average quarterback. His QBR proves he's average. I'm a great coach. I've got him up in completion percentage. I've got him up in percentage of touchdown passes thrown. I've got him up in his passer rating. Last year, what, low 80s? Right? Right. Now he's 99.0. That's sixth in the league. But he's 20th in QBR at 50.3. And he's 28th and getting sacked at 9.4%. You just think about that. 9.4% of the time on dropbacks, he's getting sacked. One out of every 10, basically. That's 28th out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks. Now, and some of that is on Wilson. And some historically of it is on He historically takes
0: Wilson. a higher percentage yes. of sacks but than most quarterbacks.
1: around the red zone... And particularly in goal-to-go situations, he's getting pressured much less than he should, much more often than he should be, considering how infrequently teams are blitzing down there against him. You could make the argument,
0: if I'm going to defend Russell Wilson, that I was sort of amazed on that interception that he even got the ball in the area of a receiver while running for your life on your back foot after being immediately pressured because Greenard on the outside running around uh, bowls basically was untouched, came right into Wilson's face. Uh, if Wilson would have taken a sack there because he couldn't get rid well, the of the ball quote, fast enough. Well, quote. but I mean, then we'd be talking about Wilson needs to get rid of the ball. So Wilson's well, stuck in this, yeah. in this weird, no, damned I, if that, you do, damned that, if you don't was, spot. That
1: that was the least objectionable of the three interceptions from Wilson's standpoint, it, at least I felt that way. Uh, the, the the first one, um, Stingley made a hell of a play. Uh second one, he they, made a pretty they, good play, they, too. They disguised the coverage well. There was safety help behind. So, Stingley had an opportunity to undercut the route and make a diving interception. It was a great catch. And it got tipped by Will Anderson, who helped. Because I, I, I think without the Will Anderson tip, he probably doesn't make the interception. But the tip slowed the ball down, giving him time to undercut and and make a very good catch off the deflection by Will Anderson, who of course wrecked the game, and that's again oh, something boy, that's not ever. Russell Wilson's fault. But it, it th- this is this is where the Broncos are, and you think of Wilson uh, overall during the course of his career. And then you go to somebody like Brock Purdy, playing for Kyle Shanahan, who um, uh, I'm only going to say this once, uh, (laughs) because I I think I have a decent relationship with Mike, but I'm not saying Kyle's a better head coach than Mike was. A couple Super Bowls behind. Mike's won two Super Bowls. Yeah. And Kyle hasn't won any yet. But as an offensive coach, I mean... Mike Shanahan never really coached a Brock Purdy equivalent to the heights that Brock Purdy has reached. Correct. Just get a load of this. Completion percentage, Brock Purdy, number one in the league. Yardage, total yardage, passing, seventh. Touchdown percentage, first. Interception percentage, 11th. 9.6 yards per pass, that's inhuman. It's almost impossible. Impossible. Far and away, number one, by about a yard over number two, okay? 116.1 passer rating, number one. 75.6 quarterback rating, number one. And you know what he does? Uh, Now, I know he's thrown some picks, but he'll take a sack rather than make a dumb play or a turnover. So he's only 18th in the league you know, middle of the pack, He he's not sacked like Russell Wilson gets sacked, but he also isn't getting, uh, uh, avoiding sacks the way, oh, uh, Patrick Mahomes avoids sacks. But look at all the number ones in fundamental passing categories. Completion percentage, touchdown percentage, yards per pass, passer rating, quarterback rating. This is with Mr. Irrelevant. But keep in mind here, this
0: is interesting, too, with Mr. Irrelevant. this is part of the coaching that I think needs to be considered. Because we've talked about how defenses in the NFL this year are just putting the top on things, right? What Brock Purdy is doing is actually duplicatable for the Broncos. And while Sean Payton has nibbled at it, he hasn't committed. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar on Mile High Sports. Danny Bailey has this feeling like we're in an 80s buddy comedy right here all of a sudden. (laughs) Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar with you talking about the Denver Broncos. Joining us at the top of the hour will be CUN's basketball coach, Tad Boyle. Excited to talk to Coach Boyle about the Buffaloes. But we, we stay with the Denver Broncos here. And you talked about, look, uh, uh, I'm not going to say you're the you know you're a card carrying member of the Brock Purdy fan club, but you're adjacent. I think. Oh yeah. And the the the, uh, he's stat the MVP you up. of the
1: league, uh, unless it's Prescott, and we'll find out more about Prescott in the coming weeks. Yeah. Especially this Sunday Although when I still they contend as of
0: last year, or at least. Like I said last uh, night, it, go look at the metrics between Tyree Hill and every other wide receiver in the league. I think you should be. in Well, mix. no, he's in the conversation. But, the but I think those two quarterbacks, quarterbacks always, always win it. Too. But here's one of the things that I think is interesting. The Broncos could do this, and it seems like they nibble at it. it. seems like they nibble at it, but they don't want to go all the way in. And this repeated, at least from Sean Payton's own admission, communication issue, I don't know where it is. Sean Payton won't clarify, and Russell Wilson isn't going to clarify it. But there's a communication breakdown somewhere between what the coach expects to see on the field and what's happening on the field. Right. Okay, we'll leave it at that. But Brock Purdy on screen passes. And yes, I understand he has Debo Samuel and he has Brandon Ayuk and he has George Kittle and he has Christian McCaffrey and every quarterback in the league would be better. I get that, but I'm not taking anything from Purdy, or am I taking anything away from Shanahan? Purdy is averaging 8.7 yards per screen pass. Mm-hmm. That is better than, if I'm not mistaken, every quarterback in the league is doing on passing on the whole. Yeah, screen pass. That, that's right. Screen, now, screen passes. This or is better again for San
1: Francisco. Then but it's also an example of understanding
0: how defenses work in 2023, and also why I think Tyree Kill is such an extraordinary outlier. Yeah, as yeah. offensive yeah. explosive plays have gone down, as these sort of and we'll credit Vic Fangio, the Fangio system. Yeah. of uh, oh, you know, the big the, part of it. Has the old uh, you know, the it was I I, put, I think it was more of the term of 2020, but put a
1: top on the defense. Well, it, so you
0: make sure yeah. that that the big plays don't break you up, and, and that's in response just, to the Patrick it, Mahomes of the world, Burroughs of the world. It,
1: it, Cover four was the Houston coverage on the first two interceptions they made of Russell Wilson. The other right. Day. Cover four. Mm-hmm. just dropping everyone back. <laughs> and and But this is what happens,
0: and what Shanahan and the Niners right. and Purdy are doing is what I've kind of suggested the Broncos could be doing during their winning streak, but it seems like they didn't quite totally commit to it. The Niners have extraordinary talent. They have a great play call. There's really not much to like. They're the best team in the league. It's actually, to my mind, not even close. But what you're seeing is an offense that is taking what defenses give them. They're worried about Ayuk or Samuel or Kittle beating them well, deep that's down. That's why the they're field. the best offense. And so you way. know what they do? That's all right. We'll nibble. We'll get our guys in space. Yeah. We'll throw dump offs. And then when up first And then we'll, and we'll you throw over the top. And Russell Wilson is throwing the backs at a higher percentage of his career than he's ever had by a yeah. wide margin. Right. His accuracy is back up. Yes. And. Generally. generally The Broncos against defenses that, again, I mean, look, Russell Wilson barely throws over 200 yards a game on a good day. Yeah. They played cover four.
1: Cover four. You do the math. 12 games less than 2,400 yards passing. You do the math. This has
0: become (laughs) the de facto defense in the league. We don't even care if you have a quarterback that doesn't throw the ball downfield. We're simply not even taking the gamble that one of those sneaks behind us. And what the Niners do well is basically accept that and say, okay, you know what? That's the way it's gonna work. So how do we function within that space? And that's that's what a really creative play designer and play caller can do. And you saw another one last night in Cincinnati where you have a quarterback in Browning and Jake Browning. Yes. That, that what what did they do? Joe Burrow's out. They're not trying to run Joe Burrow's offense. No. They're like, you know what we're going to do? We're no. going to do what Jake Browning can do, and we'll do it in a week and a half. But here we are 12 games into the Denver Broncos season, and Sean Payton and his coaching staff haven't really adjusted to what Russell Wilson and his offense can do. And for someone who is renowned as this terrific play caller, my concern, again, is with Sean Payton when something doesn't go the way he expected. Eh, as you pointed out before, kind of someone else's fault. I get it, man. You wish you were coaching Drew Brees. I get it. Bet a lot of coaches wish they were coaching Drew Brees right now. Have you seen the quarterbacks that started this weekend? Wait till you see the ones that start next weekend. Bet a lot of them wish they were coaching Drew Brees, but they're not. I bet you that Zach Taylor was wishing he was coaching Joe Burrow yesterday, but he wasn't. And you know what he did? They adapted and adjusted to the guy they had, and they made the best out of it. And they put themselves in a better playoff position than the Denver Broncos because of it. And the Broncos are one of the few teams that's had their starting quarterback all year. This far into the season, and I understand, we've been saying it all offseason, the Broncos' talent on 1-53 is not that good. No. This part is not a surprise. They were always going to win game on the margins. They were going to have to be perfect. They'd more or less been that way on takeaways and, and on offense. But... This team is not playing, to my mind. The defense is, but the offense to me, Sandy, is not demonstrably better in Game 12 than it really was in Game 1. And at some point, that has to land on Sean Payton.
1: Well, uh, Denver and Seattle are getting compared again this year. And I think especially in reason. recent weeks, because at the present time, they both are six and six. All right. And, you know, people are still mulling over the deal and measuring Geno Smith against Russell Wilson, Russell S- Wilson against Geno Smith. Um, I want to give you the DVOA profile. Go boy. OK. okay. On, on, on both teams.
0: Seatbelts on everybody.
1: 22nd in the league is where Denver is overall in DVOA and Seattle's 18th. Not a huge difference, right? Tampa Bay, New Orleans, the Rams in between Seattle and Denver. Seattle on offense, 14th, Denver 16th. Seattle on defense, and again, this is for the whole year, 24th. Denver at least isn't last anymore in DVOA. They're 31st now. Uh, They've been replaced by Washington. That's the worst defense, according to the well, away metric in 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 the NFL. Uh, special teams: Seattle tenth, Denver fourth. Not really a huge gap between the two teams. And guess what? They're both ninth. Seattle in the NFC, right now at six and six. Denver in the AFC at six and six. I don't think Geno Smith is as good this year as he was last year. Although against Dallas the other day, he put 35 up on the Cowboys, who last time I looked have a pretty good defense. And Russell Wilson is better this year than he was last year. So I think there's been a convergence now between the two teams, and there's I I think the AFC's best are generally better than the NFC, although I think San Francisco and Philadelphia have an argument to be one and two, but here's what DVOA says. San Francisco, number one, Baltimore, number two, Kansas City, number three, and Miami, number four. So three of the top four teams, according to DVOA, are in the AFC. But I, I would say generally, as you look at these rankings, boy, it's hard to... Say that the two or three best teams in football come out of the AFC mm-hmm. or come out of the NFC, and so for Seattle to be six and six and Denver to be six and six, you know they're about the same—the same strengths, same weaknesses. But I don't know. Um, I I I just I think Seattle's more together as a team. The Broncos have these. Strange short circuiting episodes in big moments. Yeah. And this was obviously more true when they were one and five Mm -hmm. than it was during their five game winning streak when it was the other team that was short circuiting. But, and this is kind of, I am not taking anything away, five game winning streak for anybody, whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles or the Denver Broncos. That's a hell of a winning streak. The Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. earlier this year yeah. went five in a row. You don't That's a hell of an accomplishment. Don't look into it, no. I don't care if you're good, bad, or indifferent. Winning five in a row is hard to do in the NFL, and the Broncos did it this year. Uh, something they hadn't done since their Super Bowl season of 2015. Win five straight games. Win four straight, but never five. Uh, sometimes even three in, in different years where they were really bad. Or two in a row. But five is hard. Granted. Part of the reason I wasn't all the way there and as sold as some of the fans and the Broncos themselves seem to be, the head coach said, you know, and seemed to be right during the five-game winning streak. Oh, I mean, after Green yeah. Bay, I've turned this around. I've turned this whole thing. Kansas City. After Kansas City, precisely. After they beat mm-hmm. Kansas City, hey, I haven't beaten Kansas City in years. We beat him. I've turned this thing and around. And his argument remember, after that is
0: how did it feel about breaking that streak? And he pointed out specifically it wasn't my streak. It wasn't my streak,
1: right? I only lost one in a row, and then I beat him the next time. Right. So I'm one-on-one. One. I'm not 0-16. I have nothing to do with that. Players may, have, certain players may have something to do with that. I have nothing to do with that. But once they faced a team, in a road game, not at home. Let's remember that. For the five games during the five-game winning streak were home games, yep. where they had been 0-3 and law of averages said, eh, they'll probably start winning at home at some point. Sooner or later, they're going to start winning at home. One would think. And they'll probably win at home as often or more often than they went on the road. And they'll probably win more often at home than they lose at home. Once the other team stopped beating itself, Denver was the one that made the mistakes. Right. So, you know, if you're saying during the win, say, hey, you know, good teams force turnovers. Take the ball away and don't make mistakes. And they have, and you're not going to be able to turnovers every okay. game. But, but that's kind of what Houston did. The supposedly less experienced team that might not be totally ready for the bright lights in a big stage. And, and that was a big stage the other day. As far as week 13 games went, that was not anything other than the most important game of the weekend. And as far as entertainment was concerned, rookie quarterback, against the, the, the old veteran who's bounced back this year, uh, other than Philadelphia, San Francisco, which turned out to be a blowout and a lousy game in San Francisco's favor, a blowout, it, it, That was the most important game of Week 13. And they beat themselves, which we've seen them do, too.
0: We turn our attention to the hardwood as the Colorado Buffaloes under Tad Boyle are off to a good start. Not exactly the start they wanted, but a good start nevertheless. Delighted to be joined by Coach Boyle, who will join us in just a couple moments next on Miley Sports.